0: listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. The following audio is from our ordination service for pastors Parker Latimer and Victoria, Gaza. Due to the personal nature of this ordination, the council's prayers were not recorded, though the council's closing remarks are included. We thank you for being a part of this unique opportunity.
1: Good morning. Uh, Welcome to this Pastoral Ordination Service. First time I've said that in 12 years. As you can tell, this morning is unique from any other service that we've had over the last 11 years because we are here to ordain two. So at this time, I would ask both ordination councils to come to your seats and we will begin. I don't know if you've ever been in an ordination service before or not this one will very likely not be anything like what you've previously seen. Maybe in order, but certainly not uh, in message. <clears throat> we've, we've come this morning for the ordination of Victoria Garza and Parker Latimer into the pastoral ministry. I uh, will have comments through the way about each one of these things that we're witnessing. Uh, but we find within the Scripture on numerous occasions, the moments when those who have been chosen by God for unique responsibilities as pastors and deacons and elders, uh, when God calls them or chooses them for this unique responsibility, w- within His body, he, he sets them apart. He calls them out and sets them apart. And, he's, and they're commissioned by those who will pray for them, and support them, encourage them, and help them, and bless them in ministry. So I want you to recognize this morning that you are not just a a viewer of this. You are designed to be an active participant. We are simply here recognizing the call on Victoria's and Parker's lives placed there by God. Only God can choose And only God can establish a person in the role of pastor. It's not a choice we get to make. It's a a recognition of what God has already done. Only He can equip them. Only God can equip you for what He's called you to be and the role he's, He's called you to fill. We, by this ordination service, each one of us here, come into agreement with that which God has already seen. I'm, I, would, I think we would all be amazed if we could actually know the moment when this moment first originated in the mind of God. I wonder how many years, how many centuries or decades ago that God actually saw this. Maybe thousands of years or hundreds of thousands of years that God saw this moment. I think the mystery is magnified when we recognize that God already knew what we are discovering and being a part of. We know that he planned it. We know that he gave birth to it. And we know now that he has given life to it. There is commonality in each of these roles that God calls us to. But there's also uniqueness in the qualifications that are in the Scripture, that the the Scripture establishes when those who are called are recognized. However, I know by experience that if God has already called them to this personal ministry, He has found them fully ready. He's found them completely qualified. When I I went through this years ago as a deacon, they went through a series of questions uh, of which they told us what the questions would be and they told us what the answers should be. Uh, So I'm not sure what they were really trying to discover But I recognize, and I think we all do, that if God has called these two to this moment, He found them qualified. He found them ready. And so I don't have to wonder. I don't have to question them. I don't have to... There's there's not a great mystery around this because if God's called them, He's the one that found them ready. In Acts chapter 6, one of my favorite passages about these moments, we find this moment when a very universal requirement was identified for anyone who's called into these unique purposes. These qualifications are not only for those who are called out, but also every believer who has been made ready according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 6. If you're sitting here today and you're a believer, the qualifications that I'm going to speak about not only pertain to these two, But they pertain to each one. If you're a believer today, these qualifications are already found deeply within you. You have been also made an able minister. Acts chapter 6, verse 3 says this Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report. Now listen to the conditions, listen to what was necessary for them to be recognized of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Not marginally. Not somewhat. Full. And I would add full to the degree of running over. That that's where they are. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. So to this end, I've asked both Victoria and Parker to come and briefly share three very important moments in their life. First of all, I want them to share about the moment when they were saved, their salvation experience. I want them to also share their call into the pastoral ministry, how they knew that this was what their life was to be about. And third, the moment that they were equipped by the filling of the Holy Spirit. According to the Scripture those requirements. And I'm I'm asking them to address those three things. So Victoria, if you would come first.
2: Good morning, everyone. So I was fortunate enough to be born and raised in a Christian family. My dad's parents were both ministers. My mom's mom was also a minister and I had many aunts and uncles who were also ministers. So church was something we were heavily involved in, but eventually it had to be more than just an extracurricular activity. It had to become something personal. So through talking with people and eventually developing my own relationship with Christ, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior and began realizing that Maybe there was a call on my own life to be a minister, work in ministry. But this terrified me because at some point in my life, I started viewing people behind the pulpit as someone as people with power. And it it was something I wasn't really interested in. I was terrified of it, and I was scared of stepping into that role. After being saved, I had plenty of people tell me, well, this is something you should consider, Max being one of those people. And he knows I kind of like would tell him, no, that's not for me. But I just kept hearing this over and over. But the summer before attending Baylor, I had this moment of realization of this is something I have to do, something that God has put on my life, and it's something I can't run away from anymore. So I looked into Baylor's ministry guidance program and decided as an undergrad, this is a program I want to be involved in. So I began working in this program and worked with Baylor youth ministry teams. And I decided my three years at Baylor, this is what I was going to do. And after that, I would never work with youth again, never work in a church again, and go on to law school and forget about it. That was my time in ministry and I'd be done. So in our ministry guidance classes, everyone would talk about seminary and their plans of going and where they would go. And I was very adamant of, have fun in seminary, I'm never gonna go. I'd make it very clear that that was not in my plans. My seminary mentor who mentored us on our youth ministry teams kept talking to me about her experiences in seminary and started talking to me about programs that that would be starting in the next year with the law school and seminary. So I spontaneously decided to attend our seminary's preview day, then decided I need to submit an application. I started attending seminary that next fall. Before attending seminary, a lot of my friends began applying for church positions. I decided that wasn't something I was ready for yet. I wanted to wait until I had a year of experience. Um, I wanted to wait until I had attended seminary for a year, and then I would start looking into youth ministry positions in the area. One day, the April of my first year in seminary, I received a call from a pastor in a church in a town I had never heard of, and he asked me if I would like to come in and interview for a youth ministry position. I was kind of confused, I went in for the interview and the reason I was confused was because I hadn't, they had all of my information but I hadn't submitted a resume and I hadn't started looking for a job yet. To this day, we're really not sure how they ended up with my, infor- with my information but I've been on staff with this church for a little over two and a half years. So <laughs> this is definitely the work of the Lord. This is definitely a God thing because the staff at this church, the youth, and the congregation have been just important parts of helping me get through the last year and a half of everything that has been going on in my life. Um, Most of you know, in January of 2018, I was diagnosed with Miller-Fisher syndrome, a rare nerve disorder that completely paralyzed my face, caused issues with walking, with talking, with swallowing, with all sorts of different things, and just disrupted my life completely. I spent about a month between hospitals and inpatient rehab and just had so many scary moments in between these different transitions. This was and continues to be one of the hardest things I've ever had to experience in my life but it has also taught me so much and I believe has been vital in preparing me for this moment today. Sorry. (laughs) There was a moment in rehab where things got so bad and so scary and I was getting ready to be transferred to a bigger hospital and I just could not make sense of the situation because I knew I had been called, but I was having problems talking, couldn't walk, I couldn't see. So with all that going on, it didn't make sense to me how I was supposed to minister. How do those things work together as one? So I just had this conversation in desperation with God How are these two things supposed to work out? What are you doing? And honestly, I've never had to experience surrender in this way before. Up to this point in my life, I knew all all the tough situations I had been through. I knew eventually things would be okay. In this situation, I had no idea what the outcome would be. That was my conversation Just this feeling of desperation, not understanding what was going on, how this was supposed to work out. I was transferred to a bigger hospital, went through treatment, was transferred back to inpatient rehab. It was then when I received my answer. Through this entire time, my youth group had been visiting me. Whether it be in Waco or out of town, our deacons would arrange a way for them to come visit. Whether they were wreaking havoc on the nurses in in the neurology unit or accidentally running me into doors on the rehab floor, they were always there. God constantly had me surrounded by people I loved. What I needed to experience was a shift in perspective. Through all of this, I had to realize that ministry wasn't about my own abilities. It wasn't about what my own physical limitations were, what my own physical abilities were. It was about the grace of God and the Holy Spirit working within me. It was never about me. And that was something I really had to learn. And I had to lean into that surrender and say, God, this isn't about me. This is about you working through the situation and what I'm going to be able to learn and teach others through this. People would ask me, are you going to get ordained? And that time never felt right. After this is when I believe that I got that affirmation from God saying, okay, now you're ready. Now is your time to step forward in obedience. And, this is, and today, this is what this is for.
0: Hello. Um, I love talking to you guys. <laughs> um, it's funny the similarities our stories have. We have moments where we said, not going to do that, God. And uh, not going to go to that place. And we're both now in ministry saying, after saying we wouldn't do it, and we live in small towns. I, I specifically said I will not move to Lubbock. And God was good on that. He moved me to Sundown. <laughs> um, and so, but, uh, you know, my, my, story, uh, my story didn't gain any clarity until I came out here. Um, I knew I was saved for a long time but I couldn't articulate the moment until I began to meet with Randy and, and, and really grow deeper in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I remember uh, we lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for 12 years. Uh, I grew up there and uh, First United Methodist Church was our church in downtown Tulsa. And then uh, the old building, um, there was this this room and they had a bunch of kids stuff down there. And um, I just remember gaining clarity uh, as I was out here, the Lord just gave me this this vision, this reminder, a memory that I had forgotten I had, and uh, I, I could take you now to that room. I could put you on the spot where I hit my knees as an, an eight year old, I think, uh, and I met I met with Jesus and, and accepted Him, and I, I can articulate that moment, and uh, I could take you there right now, and um, and so that's when I got saved. But that's a moment that I didn't gain until I came out here. I had had lost that and I didn't get that back till I came out here. And um, when the Lord said he was going to bring me in ministry, he said it, he said it twice. Really, he told me he was going to give me a life of ministry uh, when I was in high school. I was a junior high intern at our church in Katy, Texas. And I just remember this moment. Um, We were on a mission trip and my sister was in the, in the youth. She could probably articulate this moment too. I don't have a clue what I said. Um, the interns were all musicians, and so we were just playing music and leading worship that night. And I remember setting my drum down and getting up and speaking, and not not having a clue when I opened my eyes what the room was encountering. And until later, I could articulate that was the presence of God and the kingdom of heaven being established in a in a room. Um, and and you know what that feels like? That's that's an insane feeling. And um, but that was that was the call to ministry. And I remember the. The uh, junior high pastor at the time told me, you're going to do this. I looked him dead in the face, said, no, I'm not. Um, And I had every intention of honoring my word in college. My mentor was Kendall McDonald, who most of you know, used to be the youth pastor out here um, before he popped around. And now he's the head pastor in Nacogdoches. Um, He was my mentor through all that. And I had every intention of honoring. pursuing a career in fitness. I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach, and I I had a gym, and I wanted to do all that. And um, I remember just sitting with him at a coffee shop one morning when he asked if uh, I'd be interested to hear about a youth pastor position in Sundown, Texas. And before I could even ask where Sundown, Texas was, uh, the Lord said, yes, this is for you to do. I couldn't couldn't articulate another word. I couldn't say anything else. Uh, It was It felt like I had no choice in the matter, and it was just my spirit absolutely recognizing what the Lord was leading me into, and it wasn't going to allow any other thought to enter in that moment. And so I said yes to that, and I met with Randy, and he's told you guys this before. He's he's listened to me teach things that he's taught to Kindle, just teachings that have come full circle. Um, And so that that led me out to here, and um, you know, before that, two weeks ish. No, I don't know if it was two weeks. Don't quote me on that. I've got a date in my office, but uh, I went through discipleship training with Kendall McDonald, and uh, this, was, this was allowing everything that we read about, everything that we sing about to become wisdom in our life, the practical step of how to make this wisdom, understanding body, soul, and spirit, and understanding how to, how to teach it, how to walk in it for ourselves. And I remember having this moment with Kendall, um. after class, we were talking about when we go to heaven um, and we offer these, these, these jewels and these precious gems and we lay them at the Father's feet. And those are, those are obedience. That's our, that's our actions of obedience uh, to what the Lord had for us in this life. But there's also uh, hay, wood, hay, and stubble that we'll have in that pile. And I just remember asking him, Kendall, is it possible to just offer him precious gems? And have absolutely no wood, hay, and stubble. And he said it is, but you can't have any of that without the Holy Spirit. And that's when I recognized I needed the Holy Spirit. I needed to be baptized physically, but I needed the the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And so we did it, uh, I think a week later. Got baptized at church and received the Holy Spirit. Then after church in his office, um, just had a few more questions. But him and my best friend, They, uh, they laid hands on me and I received the Holy Spirit. And it's just been an insane ride ever since that's led me to here, and I've been ministering with you all for five years. Um, it's insane, yeah. Uh, absolutely insane uh, to be here now and to recognize what this moment is and uh, what the Lord is leading us into, still having some reservations like, oh, I'll just be a youth pastor for a little while, and then I'll get out of ministry. Um, the Lord is making it very clear, uh, and now he's putting me on blast in front of everybody, that that is not his intention, but this is, this is what my life is to be. Uh, and minister to the Lord and minister to you. Um, and so I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for this journey. Uh, I'm grateful for this moment. I'm I'm so, so grateful that I know all of you, and I love all of you, and you get to be a part of this um, with us uh, this morning. So.
1: I hope by the hearing of those testimonies you understand that the qualifications established in the Scripture have been fully met. I can't even imagine ministering <clears throat> without that fullness of the Holy Spirit because it leaves it up to you so that every message you have to come up with, every blessing, every word of encouragement has to come from you. By the filling of that Spirit, life changes dramatically. After the general qualifications were established and the individual were chosen, There was a specific moment in the scripture in Acts chapter 6 when those surrounding them prayed and laid hands on them. And it was by this action that they were commissioned into this unique ministry. The scripture says this, whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them and the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. The ordination council on each side here is your representative in this moment. We're not going to have all of you come and lay hands on them. But I've asked these two to just put themselves before the Spirit and let the Spirit show them who's supposed to be here with them. And so in this moment, the ordination council seated with with these as your representatives will come as a representation of the body of Christ. And by the laying on of hands, commission them into this this service. We teach here that there is no church except one. That we here, connected to all believers everywhere, are the church that God established. We're very grateful that He has established us as a part of that river, stewards over this section. And the commissioning body this morning, but these two are being commissioned by the church, the body of Christ, not us. So we thank we thank you that you can participate in this, in this time of prayer, and of laying on of hands through these commissions. The instructions they've already received. Uh, Parker, we're going to uh, we're going to begin with you. So Sarah, if you and Liam would take this opportunity.
3: I want to speak over Parker. I'm Jacob Latimer, the father, uh, public speaking number one on my list of things not to do in life. So uh, here I am. Um, But as I was thinking about this yesterday, these are words that I need to hear as well. And maybe there's others that need to hear this also. I want to touch briefly, Parker, on your faith, on your characteristics, on um, your identity, and then on your future. And, and I remember Tulsa, I remember Bible Blast, Bible Biz. I remember all that we did there. And I remember you growing up in your parents' faith. And I remember you getting to the point where you had questions and having to rumble through those questions so that the faith became your faith and not ours anymore. And that's where you are. And that's why you have such a strong foundation because it's not us anymore. This is you. This is you and God, not you through us to God. And I love that you don't want to know more about God. You want to know God more. And that is huge. That's what's kept you afloat as you've made some less than stellar decisions while you were in college. Um, so, so, but it's just, it, it's amazing that, that faith walk that you've had of how you've come to where you are today. And and it's just been an amazing journey to be a part of it. I want to talk about your characteristics briefly. Um, You have a magnetism. You just draw people to you. And that could be good or that could be bad. But you also have charisma, which means people want to come to you. And they want to stay around you. And you're an influencer. And that is beyond the identity of Redeemer. That is also a gift from God. And so that is part of the ministry that he has for you is to draw people in to him through you. Um, And then your identity, Parker, of Redeemer. As we've talked about over family meals together, over Christmas, I mean, how many families know who they thought they were and who God calls them to be? And that is phenomenal. And God calls you Redeemer. And because you're Redeemer, He's using you to pull people from the fire. He's using you to set the captives free for his glory. You're also a father and a husband. And as that identity, because of that identity, you set the standard. And you're leaving a legacy. A legacy of truth. A legacy of humbleness. A legacy of courage and fortitude. And a legacy of, of joy. And just keeping those around you close. You love your family fiercely. It's something we've always done. And that is a standard and that is a legacy that you are also carrying forward as a father and a husband. As a leader, because you're a leader, you are respected. And because you're a leader, you're inspiring. And because you're a leader, you are an influencer. And if you ever forget that that is also a gift from God, you will lose that gift. So always stay humble in your leadership, knowing that it's God who's using you for that purpose. And as a son, a son of the Most High God, a son of Jacob and Sarah, you are valued. And you are deeply, deeply loved. And you were were never no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, you are never alone. We will never turn our backs on you. God will never turn his back on you. And I love what Randy said earlier about God qualifying you. So that way this doesn't come from us. This isn't from Randy. This isn't from your mom and I. This isn't from your family. This is from God. God qualified you and God will equip you. And so for your future, continue to be obedient Continue to seek the Lord. Continue to seek his voice. Continue to seek his will. And continue to allow him to walk out his purpose in your life. And let's see what wonderful things you do for his glory. Victoria, so I was
4: praying over you this morning. Just kept going, all right, Lord, what is it? What is it? And He kept showing me anointing your eyes, your ears, and your feet. And just setting your eyes apart. From everybody else's eyes, setting your ears apart from everybody else's ears and setting your feet apart from everybody else's feet. And I just began to go, Lord, what does that mean? What does that mean for her? And he goes, I want to see, I want her to see past the walls of religion. I want her to see past man's great intentions. I want her to see what I have planned. I want her to see what I call the church. I want her to see everything that I want to do on this earth. I was like, okay, Lord, well, what about her ears? He goes, she doesn't need to hear any man's great teachings. He says, I speak to her directly. He says, I teach her directly. She hears my voice. And then I was like, well, what about her feet, Lord? What about her feet? He goes, every step she takes, it flows with the anointing. That is, you step and oil is released with every step. His anointing is just div- just." Feeling every step you take, and every step you take, you're declaring the kingdom of heaven. It's like there is you're taking back ground for the kingdom of heaven. And then I was like, all right, Lord, give me scripture. It's like I want to prove all of this with what you say here. And it's like I open it up, and it's it's out of First uh, Corinthians chapter two. And and the key verses for me is verse nine. It says, "But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man." but all that God has prepared for those who love him. It says, For God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. It says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man, except for the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. It says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So I'm going to pray over you one more time. So, okay. Father God, I just come before you, Lord, and I'm thanking you for this moment where Victoria sees fully who you've called her to be. And Lord, that the steps that that follow, Father God, are the <laughs> steps that you have declared, Father God, yours that, Lord, that she sees the path that you have in front of her. And, Father God, she just begins to just march forward, Lord, in almost a, a military style, that, Lord, just has such a bold confidence that she has been trained fully for what comes next, Father God. And, Lord, I'm asking that you would just release fire over her, that everything she speaks, everything she teaches, everything she does, Lord, that just the fire of heaven would be released. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. I need- I just need briefly to share just a few thoughts, and I promise that I will be brief. I don't want to rush this moment because God has established it already. But the message this morning is not just to these two. It's to it's to everyone. It's relevant to every one of you. It's directed by the Holy Spirit to each heart, to each mind, to each life. Acts chapter 6, where I've been reading about about the selection, the qualifications of those who are called, and about the laying on of hands, I want us to begin just in verse 8 of that same passage, Acts 6, 8. And Stephen, one of those selected, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. And then it says in verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now listen to those words. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. What Stephen had, we have. Everything that equipped Stephen for that moment of miracles and wonders, everything that equipped him resides in each one of us. Now we have been taught something else. We have been taught something far less But the reality is that the preparation for that moment is the preparation for these two and the preparation for each one of us as we sit here this morning as believers in God. I want us to notice again the qualifications of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, established, those qualifications established a very specific outcome. And it's an outcome that I hope today that you and I in not only coming to church, but in every moment of our life, I pray that we would begin once again to have that expectation that God, by us, of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, would also then, by our lives, by your lives, do miracles and bring signs and wonders. We are at that day. We're not going to routine them to death anymore. We're not going to, we're not going to be able to convince a questioning world about a God that we can't encounter and a God that we can't experience. When those qualifications were were seen in Stephen, matched by faith and power, there were great wonders and miracles among the people. It's been a great work and a great joy over the 11 plus past years that I've been here as your pastor to see you as the congregation return to the place where great wonders and miracles by His Spirit are expected and anticipated. I don't ever come after doing this as long as I have. I don't ever come on any Sunday that I'm not expecting God to show up and that there are to be great signs, great wonders and miracles. And I would ask you this morning, if if you are a testimony... Of that greatness, I just want you to raise your hand. Have you experienced that transforming power of God? Look around and see. This is what God does. This is the change that God has made. There are The miracles, the signs and the wonders are, are consistent throughout God's body. I will tell you this morning that He hasn't stopped and He will not stop demonstrating himself not only by these two in roles as pastors, but each one of us. I shared in Bible study this morning, what is the point, the ultimate point, for someone to be delivered, to, for, for a false identity to be removed so that they can function in a true one? What is the ultimate point? It's not simply their freedom. As wonderful as that is, that freedom... And by the receiving of the Holy Spirit that establishes that freedom, they now too have been made ready to extend that Spirit, to bring that freedom to someone else. God strangely did not just make this about you. He made it about you so that by you He could extend His Spirit to someone else and they could witness that freedom, that power and that authority. To each of you, but especially to the two of you, Victoria and Parker, please never minister as pastor without, with any expectation less than that. Please don't ever serve in any position that you're not anticipating the miraculous and expecting the wonders of God. We are... Often assigned to be custodians of religion. Max mentioned that. With all its rules and regulations and lifeless and powerless form, don't ever let yourselves become custodians of something so lifeless and so powerless. Expect what God's going to do through you to be transforming and powerful. The call of this body as Jay explained last week, and again, I would encourage you to go and listen to that message, is the release of God's breath over the dry bones of Ezekiel 37. I'm just going to mention that quickly because it's just amazing to me for God to say to Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy because he's looking at this valley and it's nothing but dry bones. And these bones, as Jay mentioned, are not skeletons laying together in neat form. These are just dry bones scattered across a valley. And God says, I want you to prophesy that these dry bones would come back together. So he prophesies it with a bit of hesitation, as you would expect. And and before his eyes, these dry bones begin to come back together and form skeletons. And then God says, I want you to pray. I want you to prophesy that the that the muscle will return to those bones. Now, can you, be, can you imagine watching this, observing this? Because now these skeletons are beginning to have muscle on them again. And he says, I want you to prophesy that there would be skin on these bones. And that, and that life would return to these bodies. And he prophesies it. And this army, this fallen army, dead long enough that the bones were dry, this army stands in that valley. But he says they're fully alive, but they still see themselves as dead. That is the status of what religion will give you. Typical church gives you a body that's alive, but still processes life as if they were dead. And God said, commissioned over this body. Because he said, in the fourth place, I will breathe breath into them. And they will know that they are alive. They will be an army ready again. You are commissioned by this body, this part of God's family. Why here? Why now? Why this moment? Because you are equipped, along with the rest of us, but particular in this role to breathe that breath of life into an army that's alive but sees themselves as dead. You can bring nothing less. You can expect nothing less. To, it, to each of you personally. As a personal charge, just to the two of you, as a steward of this commissioning congregation, God is setting you apart to bring His Spirit back to that army of believers. It's so important to see them saved. But what a difference in how, who we see saved, what it would really look like if those who were saved would ever believe for a second that they were truly alive. The message of the salvation would go as quickly as it could possibly go because those who are saved would suddenly know absolutely with certainty that there's a breath that has been breathed into them to restore that which has been lost. I would tell you, bring them back to life. But then, set them free. By His Spirit, set them free. We have watched him be bound as Lazarus coming out of the tomb still dressed in grave clothes. Be busy about the unwrapping and the trappings of death upon a body fully restored. The matter is urgent. The time is pressing. The routine and the mundane will try to trap you. But the miraculous and the spectacular await you. Father, Father, Thank you for the commissioning of these two. And I pray, Father, that there will be thousands more just like them. Pastors raised up, unique in their call, no hesitation, no reservation, fully knowing that they have been made ready, qualified by your Spirit. Thank you, Father. As we, according to your instruction, set them apart for this, let them know, not question or ever wonder, let them know from this moment of ordination that they have been been set apart by this congregation in the full body of Christ, commissioned for this work in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.